0: Good morning, so good to be with you all this morning. Uh, And uh, you know, Mother's Day, here it is. I'm the family's pastor, right? So I guess it's only appropriate that that I'm preaching on Mother's Day. Um, Moms are amazing. You really are. Moms, I mean, like you've probably seen those memes and those things that go around, especially this time of year of like all the different jobs a mom has and like how much she should get paid. Right, if she were getting compensated for all the things that she does. Like, moms are like professional chefs, or at least cooks, at least line cooks, if not chefs. Some of you are like, I don't know about chef, like frozen Costco chicken nuggets. Okay, maybe, you know, like your nurses, right? Your counselors and psychologists and project managers. Sometimes you don't want to be, but right, like you feel like you're like organizing your entire kids' lives, your chauffeurs and your teachers, and your bankers, and administrators, your coaches, and sometimes you're playing referee or judge, just all these different things that make you so uniquely qualified. And, you know, beyond all of that, what qualifies you is the fact that God has chosen you to be the mom of your kids. Of anyone and everyone else in the world that he could have chosen, he picked you. Isn't that amazing? And yet so many moms, I think, undervalue their qualifications. All of us do this, right? It's not just moms, but we have these situations in our lives where we're like, I I don't know if I have what it takes. I don't know if I quite measure up. I don't know if I'm qualified for that thing. And maybe it keeps us from going after the thing that we really want. Or maybe we're doing the thing and we're constantly fearing that somebody's about to find us out. Like I'm about to get uncovered here and everyone's going to figure out that I actually don't have what it takes to do this thing that I'm doing. We all want to be qualified, right? It's like, it's like there's, there's this pursuit to be qualified. You see it on things like uh, social media, like anybody out there have a blue check? Probably not, right? Like we're not blue check kind of people, right? But you get that blue check. People are going after that, like the blue check, but I'm qualified. Like listen to what I have to say I've got, I've got the qualifications. I've got the blue check, there by my name. And so whatever I have to say in 160 characters, it's really important, right? There's actually, a, there's actually an artist from San Francisco who, who had a little satire and, and had a little fun with this. Um, and she went, there's a lot of these like crests and shields that show up on the houses in the Bay Area. And so she made a joke on Twitter one day and she said, um, there's a new company called Blue Check Houses where we're going to verify that the people who live there are indeed um, authentic public figures. And if you qualify, if you go through this website and you qualify, we're going to put a blue check on your actual house. Look at this picture that's here. I don't know if you can see it up there. But, but, and so she totally Photoshopped that little blue uh, Twitter check mark onto the house and made a fake website. And a lot of people got the satire, but a lot of people didn't. Within 48 hours, she had 495 applications from people to get blue check marks on their house. <laughs> like, yes, there's a real human being who lives here. Check. <laughs> like, what else, what else would it be, right? Like, am I qualified? Am I qualified? It's a question that we all ask, and it's a question that Jesus wants to answer for us today in the pages of scripture. And we're this morning, we're um, continuing in our series um, in, G- in the name of in life in his name. Excuse me, I kept wanting to say in Jesus name, life in his name. And so we're going to be looking today at John chapter three. It's got some of the most famous passages of scripture. And, uh, and I believe that God really has some fresh and powerful things to speak to us here. So I'm going to start by reading verses one and two. It says this. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's showing up on the scene and his intention as he comes to meet with Jesus is to see if Jesus has a blue check mark. Are you somebody worth listening to? And basically, Nicodemus is saying, I'm uniquely qualified here to determine if you're qualified because of who I am, my credentials. He comes and he shows up and it says in scripture here, uh, he was a Pharisee. We've heard a lot about Pharisees probably, but this is in the book of John, this is Jesus' first interaction with the Pharisees. And it's actually one of his more tame and friendly interactions that he has with the Pharisees. They were the spiritual leaders of their day. They were the so-called experts. They were really us. They were the people that lived within the four walls of the synagogue who dedicated themselves to understanding and knowing and obeying and practicing scripture, they were also like really zealous and they kind of served as like the watchdogs of their day, right? Like they were the, they were the ones giving out the blue check marks, right? They were the ones who decided who qualified and who didn't and, and making sure everybody else was like coloring in the lines. Are you doing it the right way? Are you tithing on your spices? Are you, you know, whatever it might be. And so here's Nicodemus and he's showing up. And the first thing he says to Jesus is this, Rabbi... That's actually a term of honor. So that's a good start. He says, we know that you are a teacher come from God. So here's Nicodemus, he's coming to Jesus alone and yet he's representing we. Have you ever done this? Like, we need to know, right? He's not just coming as Nicodemus, he's coming as like the figurehead for the Pharisees. He's saying, we want to know. We've heard about these things that you're doing. It's a little bit of like religious snobbery here. Like, "Hmm, we would like to know. Like, what's going on here, Jesus, right? Last week, Andy's message uh, really did an amazing, he did an amazing job of of helping us understand that what was the driver behind every one of Jesus' signs, the things that he did, the miracles that he performed, whether it was turning water into wine or raising Lazarus from the dead, was that it would drive us to and drive the people around that sign to ask what is the message that this man carries? The sign was like the thing that would open their eyes, right? And so here's Nicodemus and he's coming to Jesus and he says, he's saying, listen, we've seen that you've got some pretty incredible signs going on. Like there's no doubt that something spiritual is happening here and I'm showing up to, to put the blue check mark on you, or maybe to withhold the blue check mark from you. And to do that, I need to hear, what's your message? Is it our message? And that's really what he's asking. Is it, is it my message? Is it the message I live and follow? Because I've, I've got the qualifications. I've got the list of things that set me apart and prove that I'm the one um, that kind of knows what's going on and knows the, the ways of God. And so I'm here to check you out, Jesus. Jesus. So here's Nicodemus, the Pharisee, coming to see if Jesus, the son of God, is qualified to share a message. What happens when we qualify ourselves with a list of religious check marks is that we exalt ourselves above the person of Jesus. We lift ourselves above God when we begin to believe that we know what it takes to be qualified, that we have what it takes to be qualified. And this is exactly where Jesus goes in this next part of this passage. And we're just going to work our way right through this scripture and see what God has to speak to us. It says this in verse three, Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, or born from above is another way that could be translated. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? It's kind of a weird turn. Like it sort of goes from like Nicodemus is like flattering Jesus. He's like, man, Jesus, we know you're a teacher. I called you rabbi. I'm admitting that you've come from God. And, And so there's a little bit of like, almost like pumping Jesus up. And then Jesus kind of zigs where you expect him to zag. He, it's like, why are you talking about being born again? Like, that doesn't seem like those two things connect. It seems like we missed a part of the conversation here. But actually it connects right in because in the passage right before this and at the end of John chapter two, it says that Jesus was performing a lot of miracles, a lot of signs. And it says people were coming to Jesus and they were trusting themselves to him because of these signs, but it says this, it says, Jesus, knowing their hearts, did not entrust himself to them for he could see the hearts of all people. So what does that mean? It means that these people were coming to him and basically they were like a, they were like a fan mob. They were like, look at this guy who's doing these amazing things. But Jesus knew they were really only there because of the things he had done. They weren't there because of the message that he carried. And so he, he could see their hearts. And the same thing is happening right here. Nicodemus is coming to him and saying, okay, I validate that you've got signs. I don't wanna know your message, but Jesus is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. I can see your heart. I actually know what you're after. You're trying to measure me up. You're trying to see if I'm qualified and I'm gonna flip the script on you right now, Nicodemus. I'm going to show you that you think you're coming to find out if I'm qualified. And really what I'm going to do is I'm going to peel back the curtain and I'm going to show you that you are far from qualified to even ask me that question. Nicodemus is not dumb, right? So when Jesus says what it takes to see the kingdom of God is to be born again, Nicodemus is like, not like, oh, what do you mean you got to go back in your mother's womb? Like, he's, he's like a super smart dude, like the smartest around, right? So he's, he's, he gets it. He knows he's not actually supposed to go back in the womb. The tone of this is actually like incredulous. Like, what are you talking about? Like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I've never heard of that requirement for seeing the kingdom of God anywhere in my life. What are you talking about, Jesus? There's some pride and some arrogance here, like I'm a master, I'm a teacher of the law, I'm an expert, and I don't know what you're talking about. This message sounds a little loco. It sounds a little crazy. I know God's word inside and out, and this is not a qualification. This is not part of what it means to enter or see the kingdom of God. When I was in my mid twenties, um, uh, we took a a little outreach trip. Um, I lived in Tennessee and we went over to Raleigh, North Carolina, and we were helping the the Antioch church there reach students at the university of North Carolina. And one of the things we got to do is we went out and to, to the intramural fields and there were a bunch of people playing ultimate frisbee. And we're like, that's my kind of ministry right there. Right. We get out there, compete, have a little bit of fun. Um, but what you need to know about me in particular is that I'm a pathological communicator. Like, I just, I just can't help it. Like I ha- like, I have to communicate and especially when I'm competing and I want to win. And so I get out on this field and we're there, we're like trying to reach these students, right? All these UNC students are out there playing. So our whole job is to be like missional to love these people. And I get out there and we're playing ultimate with a bunch of these kids. And I'm like, I'm like, Mr. Coach, I'm like telling him what to do, right? I'm like, hey, you should go over there. Cut this way. I'm going to do this. I'm doing that like the whole game for like 20, 25 minutes. And finally, I'm I'm especially this one guy, like I've talked to a few times. And one of his buddies, like about like halfway through the game, he comes over to me and he was so gracious. Now that I look back on it and he just leans in and he goes, hey, bro, that guy that you keep talking to, he's the captain of the ultimate Frisbee team. (laughs) oops (laughs) <laughs> oops <laughs> I was not qualified to give him counsel or coaching or advice I was way out of my depth right I, I, like, I stepped in it right there it was really embarrassing needless to say um, we didn't get to minister to those guys <laughs> very much <laughs> after that came across a little prideful and that's exactly what's happening right here with Nicodemus He's coming in and he's just stepping right in it. He's setting himself up. And look, this is how Jesus responds to him in verse five. It says, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is human is is human. That which is born human is human. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. So here's Nicodemus. He kind of comes to Jesus and his first word to Jesus is rabbi. It's kind, of a, it's kind of like a sardonic rabbi. Like there's like a little bit of like a, like judgment in it, like hey, rabbi, right? And he's about to get taken to school. I mean, Jesus is just about to show him what it is, right? And so he clarifies here. He's taking it another level deeper. Okay, we have to be born again. Well, what does it mean to be born again? Nicodemus is like, that's the dumbest requirement I've ever heard. I don't even know what you're talking about. And Jesus is like, actually, you do know what I'm talking about. Let me help you understand. And Jesus says that what it means to be born again is that you are born of water and spirit. Now he's not talking here about, two separate births. He's not talking about a physical birth and a spiritual birth. When he says being born of water and spirit, what he's actually doing is he's qualifying what it means to be born again. What it means to be born again is it means these two things. It means, it means that there's being born of water and being born of spirit. And so who is, who is Nicodemus? He's a Pharisee. He's a master of the law. He, he's, um, he's like the, the one who really like gets it. And Jesus is like, okay, I get that you get it. Let's see how much you really get it, Nicodemus. We're going to have a little open book test here. I'm going to take you to scripture. So you got to remember who he's talking to, right? He's talking to someone who knows the word of God inside and out. And so he's like, you say, you know, the word, but when I tell you you need to be born again, you don't get it. So let me help you get it. You need to be born of water and spirit. And immediately what would come to his mind A master and expert of the word of God is Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 25 through 27, where the prophet writes this about the new covenant. God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart I I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my loss. It's an amazingly beautiful passage for people who had hardened their heart and who were dry and thirsty and desperate. They were in exile. They had failed. The people of Israel at this point in their history had utterly failed. Their nation had fallen apart. And here's the prophet coming to say, to say to them, I'm actually, all this sin, all this iniquity, all this brokenness, all these mistakes that you've made, I'm gonna come, God the Father is gonna come and sprinkle you with water and I'm gonna cleanse you and I'm gonna wash all that away. On top of that, I'm not just gonna cleanse you and purify you, I'm gonna give you a new spirit. I'm gonna come inside of you and take out this heart of stone that's become hardened and embittered and deaf and blind and dead. And I'm gonna give you a living heart. I'm gonna give you a new spirit. That's from me, from my spirit. And Jesus is pointing back at the textbook and he's saying, Nicodemus, don't you see, this is always the way it's meant to be that God would come and he would be the one to wash with water our sins away, making us pure and clean and to put in us a new heart, a new spirit. You have gotta be born in a different way. You can't understand it with human thinking. And that's what he's saying to him. He's saying, hey, what's born of a humans is human. Like you, you can't understand this with human reasoning. And what's born of the spirit is spiritual. In other words, you've got to have the spirit to understand the things of the spirit. You can't understand them in your own ways because what you're going to do is just apply your own logic, your own prism, your own paradigm of how the world should work and what is good and bad and moral to the things that you do. And what you really need is a whole new way. You need to be transformed. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. And it's actually so important for those of us who are in this room because Nicodemus was for, far more like us than he was like the world out there. We're, 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 I mean, I'm not saying we're Pharisees. I'm not saying we don't love Jesus. I'm not saying we don't have him in our heart. But if anybody is tempted to qualify themselves by their works, it's us. If anybody is tempted to try to get the blue check marks of doing the right things and serving the right ways and and, and going through all the right steps, it's us. It's us. We're the ones that are tempted in that way. We're the ones that are prone to that, just like Nicodemus. And so Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, is it your credentials that qualify you? Is it your blue check marks that cleanse you and that put a new spirit on you, in you? And really what he's asking is Nicodemus, have you been transformed? Do you feel clean? Do you feel like a new person? That's what he means by all this, the wind blows business, right? Is it kind of like, why? Like Jesus feels like he goes in all these zigs and zags. You're like, one second, you're talking about water and the spirit. And the next second you're talking about the wind blowing. What are you talking about Jesus, right? What he's saying is just like we can observe in the world that the wind blows and though we can't see it, we can see the evidence of it all around us when the wind rustles in the leaves and the trees sway back and forth and the grass moves in the field. Like that's the evidence of the wind. And he's saying in the same way, those who have gotten a new spirit, who have the spirit of God in them, you look at them and you know it. And maybe more specifically, they know it. And though they can't see the spirit, and though they can't quantify it necessarily, something has changed. Actually, everything has changed. And it's not about blue check marks. It's not about qualifying ourselves. It's about being completely renewed outside of our own strength or power or ability. And so here's Jesus. He's just taken this expert through a masterclass of theology a masterclass of the heart and the plan of God. And this whole time, Nicodemus doesn't realize it, that the the living God is standing right in front of him, giving him this lesson. It's amazing. But look at verse nine. Nicodemus is still incredulous. He still doesn't get it. It says this, Nicodemus said, said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we've seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? So here's Jesus, he's looking at Nicodemus and he's like, Nicodemus, what do you mean you don't get it? Nicodemus is still asking like, How can these things be? In other words, how can this happen? You're talking about getting a new spirit. How can that happen? That can't happen. And Jesus is saying, you're supposed to be the Reverend Professor Dr. Nicodemus. Like, you don't get it? What do you mean you don't get it? Like, this is the heart of scripture and the heart of God. You're the one with all the check marks, Nicodemus. And still it's going over your head. And it should really catch our attention because if Nicodemus isn't qualified. I mean, I'm not as zealous as Nicodemus. I don't know about you, right? I'm not like tithing on my sugar, right? You know, I don't like take an extra packet of Splenda when I go get my coffee and then bring it to the church and throw it in the offering basket, you know what I mean? Like these guys were like the zealous of the zealous. They, they crossed every T and dotted every I. Paul said, uh, uh, according to the law, I was faultless. That's what he said. I didn't mess up at all in like doing the right things and checking all the boxes. Nicodemus was coming to measure Jesus up, to measure his message, to see if what Jesus had to say Qualified, He was testing him. I'm about to, in June, we're gonna to get to go to the Grand Canyon. And I'm super excited about it. I've been, my kids have not been yet. And like, I don't even wanna go look at the Grand Canyon. I wanna go turn my back to the Grand Canyon and get the camera out and just watch their face and record it when they come up to it for the first time. Right? Because like, you can read all about it. You can study it, you can take a picture and you go home and you look at that thing and it's flat and it's distorted and it's completely unimpressive. And it's really disappointing, isn't it? And there's nothing, you can describe it, you can try, how do you describe the Grand Canyon? It's awesome, literally. Like you can't even describe it to somebody, right? Until you've been, you just don't know. Until you've walked up to the edge and you get vertigo and, you, and, you're like, and, and the, 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 the immensity of it almost knocks you down. That's what happened to me. I got dizzy. I was like, are, this can't be real, right? This is exactly what's happening here. Nicodemus is trying to tell Jesus a, a description of what the kingdom of heaven is like. He's like, this is what the kingdom is like. It's this, and it's this, and it's this, and it's this. And Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, you've never even been. You've never been. You haven't gone there. Guess who has? Not me, him, right? And this is what he says in verse 13. No one has ascended into heaven. No one's gone up to heaven to see it and look at it and and come back and tell everybody what it is. But, but only, but there, there is one who has come and he descended. This is John chapter one. The word became flesh. There's no one who's gone up to heaven and is able to come back and tell you, this is what it's like. This is what the Grand Canyon is like. But there's one who's come from heaven, who's qualified like nobody else to tell you who it is. And here is where Jesus hits Nicodemus with the message of all messages the message that every single person in every place all over the world needs to hear. He says, I am the one that came from heaven. I'm the one that's qualified Nicodemus. You're trying to describe something you've read. I'm trying to tell you about something I've experienced. Jesus, the master rabbi takes Nicodemus. He's gonna take him back one more time to the textbook. And this is is what he says here. It says in verse 14, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. He said, one more time, let's go back one more time. Nicodemus, I think you're starting to get it, but let me help you out a little bit here. Do you remember the story when the Israelites in Numbers 21 were wandering in the wilderness and they were bitter and they were complaining and they were angry at God. And a plague came and that plague was that snakes were everywhere. And some of you were like, that's the worst plague I've heard of in my entire life. Wherever my wife is, she's like, that's, that's the worst, right? And, the, and they were dying. They're, I mean, it's one thing to be bit by a snake and go to the hospital. It's another thing to be hundreds of miles from any kind of medical care, right? And this is where they were. They were in the middle of nowhere, the Israelites were. And they're getting bit by these snakes and they're dying. And God gives Moses a command. He says, I want you to go make a serpent, a snake out of bronze. And I want you to attach it to a pole. And I want you to hold it up in the air. And I want you to tell the people, if you want to be saved, look at the serpent. So he lifts it up. And he holds it up and anybody who had faith, they're not having faith in the serpent. in fact, they had to destroy the serpent later because people were starting to worship it. It wasn't the serpent that saved them. It was their faith in the God of Israel that saved them. God said, so I will do. God said, look here and you'll be rescued. And they looked there and they were rescued. They were spared a physical death. And Jesus is saying, I'm just like that serpent. I'm the son of man and I'm going to be lifted up. And every other place that that word lifted up is used in the gospel of John. It's in reference to crucifixion. Jesus is saying, I'm the one, I'm the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. I'm the one that's going to be lifted up. And if you want to be rescued, you look to me by faith that you might be saved, not from a physical death, but from a spiritual death, from an eternal death. If you want to have an eternal life, it's me. It's through me, Nicodemus. You're wondering, how do I get qualified? Nicodemus, you're, you're starting to get it. You're starting to see that you have to be born again. And I'm telling you now how to be born again. It's through me. It's through a trust in my death, the exaltation on the cross, in my resurrection, the the exaltation of God, putting Jesus above every other name in heaven and on earth. That's where the salvation comes. We've been talking a lot about Nicodemus this morning, but I wonder about our qualifications. What are your qualifications? Where are the blue check marks in your life? Like, where are the things that 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 you feel like qualify you? Is it your Bible knowledge, your church attendance, your serving in the kids ministry? I mean, that does get a blue check mark for me. Um, your quiet times, your mission trips, you helped your buddy move on Saturday, right? For a slice of pizza, right? Does that qualify you? None of it. None of it. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. There is nothing that we can do that qualifies us for heaven. Not a single thing. There's no amount of effort, no, no, no amount of good works, no amount of clean living, no amount of church attendance, none of it. Church, hear it afresh because I know we all know it up here. But so often we live it differently from here. don't we? The way we actually live our lives, we're, we're still trying to earn some kind of blue check mark from God. Hey, God, am I, am I qualified? Do I have what it takes? Here, I'm, I'm doing these things. Oh, they're doing more, so I better do more. Or they did it that way, so I better do it that way. Like, and God's saying, no. Do you want to know what, what qualifies us? What cleanses us and washes away our sin and, and gives us a new spirit? unqualified trust in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. An unqualified trust. Like it's you alone and nothing else, Jesus, that rescues me. You're it. There's no plan B. If this one doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Like I've put all my, my hope and expectation into the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. John 3:16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. It's the most famous scripture in existence. The gospel is elegantly simple and exceedingly beautiful and deeply offensive. It's elegantly simple simple, and deeply beautiful and deeply offensive. It's offensive. It's not about you and it's not about me. And he stands in front of Nicodemus and he's saying, Nicodemus, nothing you've done has earned you that blue check mark. But what God has done is given an unqualified love. And that's what John three sixteen says. It says that he held nothing back. There's not like an asterisk. God doesn't, Jesus doesn't say, I love you. And then there's a little asterisk over it, you know, and it says like some restrictions apply. Like an angel, like Jesus is like, I love you. And the angel, like the lawyer angel shows up, right? He's like, some restrictions apply. Must be 21 or older, legal resident of continuous United, 48 United States, right? Like, Talking really fast, like that, that it's unqualified. There's no conditions on it. There's no hoops to jump through. There's no check marks to earn. It's just given. It's a gift that's given and it's completely won and earned by the person of Jesus. All that's required to qualify for eternal life is an unqualified trust in his unqualified love. All that's required to qualify. To get the blue check for eternal life is an unqualified trust in his unqualified love. I'm going to fully trust without any conditions, without any reservations, without any plan B's in the unqualified, unconditional, eternal love of God that's given freely to me. That's good news. And that's the message that Jesus came to deliver in John three 17. We're going to move toward response here, but it says this, for God did not send his son into the world to to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is who Jesus is. He didn't come to judge your qualifications. He didn't come with like a fine tooth comb to pour over your life and to see if you measure up. He already knows you don't measure up. He already knows you don't have what it takes. He knows the heart's, of all men, he didn't come to judge you or condemn you. He came to save you. He came to say, I know you need a savior. I know you need to be qualified and I will die a death I don't deserve that I didn't qualify for so that you can live a life that you don't deserve that you didn't qualify for. None of your check marks qualify you. And that's the good news. It's a really good news. Like, and here's why it's good news. Because if the good things I do don't qualify me, then it also means the ways that I fall short and fail don't disqualify me. That's a word that some of us need to hear. Like you are not disqualified from the love of God. There's nothing that can remove the, the check mark of his love off of your life. There's nothing beyond redeeming or saving or loving from Jesus. So here's how we're going to respond this morning. There's a lot of us in the room um, who have put our love and our trust in the unqualified love and sacrifice of Jesus. Emory had a basketball game the other day. It's my daughter. She's 11. And, um, they were down, I mean, it was like 26 to two with like five minutes left in the game. Not even kidding. And their one bucket was like lucky. Like <laughs> they were just getting demolished. You know, and there's like five or six minutes and they're playing hard, but let's be honest, like there's nothing they can do. It doesn't matter how well they play. Doesn't matter if they do it all right. They're not, they're not coming back. And that's what John three eighteen is saying to us this morning. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. What does that mean? It means it's not a matter of whether we're deserving of death and judgment or not. Like it's already been decided. Another way to say that is we're in the wilderness and we've already been bitten by the snake. The devil's already poisoned us. We're we're, we're dead men and women walking. So it's not, can I walk the right walk and and get out of this wilderness? Like the sentence has already been pronounced. It's a message for us as people who are looking to be qualified, like Like it's already, already, the the judgment's already been pronounced and now we can look to the one who's been lifted up and exalted and he'll save us. He'll qualify us, he'll cleanse us from the poison and he'll put a new spirit inside of us. And so here's how I'm gonna invite us um, to respond here this morning. I think there may be some people, even as I share that struggle with, the fear of being disqualified. That there's something you will do or something you haven't done or really probably for a number of us, there's something you have done. There's something in your past that you feels like disqualifies you, that exempts you. You're like, God could never love that. He could never put the check mark of approval on my life because of that. And this morning, God wants to lift the fear of that thing off of your life. Perfect love casts out fear. He wants to come and just give you his unqualified, unconditional, boundless love this morning. There's some of us in the room too, I think that wanna just trust in Jesus. You've never done it. You've been trying to qualify yourselves in a thousand different ways. And you've realized this morning that the only one who can qualify me is Jesus. And you want that. And we have some people who'd love to pray with you and lead you in that way. And finally, you know, there's some of us who I just want to invite you to come to the front and just use this space that we have to respond to God. Get on your knees or raise your hands and just in a fresh way, give God your unqualified trust once again. So I'm gonna pray for us. And as as I do, our ministry team is gonna come forward. And if you need prayer for anything this morning, uh, we invite you to respond. The God of unqualified love is here to meet with you this morning. And so God, we love you. We love you so deeply. We thank you for the quality of your love. That it's unlike anything else, Jesus, that you see right into our hearts, that you cut through all the confusion and the fog in our lives and you know exactly what we need. And just like Nicodemus, you meet us right where we are and you pour out your love upon us, Jesus. And we thank you, Jesus, that you've qualified us, that you've exalted, you've been exalted in your death and you've been exalted in your resurrection. And that all we need is to look to you, to be cleansed and to be made new and to be transformed. And so God, we come to you this morning asking you to do just that in Jesus' name, amen.